0: بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله وسلم وبارك على نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين رب شرح لي الصدري ويسر لي أمري وحل العقدة من لساني يفقه قولي اللهم علمنا ما ينفعنا وانفعنا بما علمتنا وزدنا علما Over the past few weeks we have been speaking about the Muslim conquest of the Persian Empire during the reign of Umar ibn al-Khattab So after the Muslims conquered the Persian Empire, many Muslims settled in Madain. And as we mentioned, Madain was formerly the capital of the Persian Empire. So for a while, the Muslims retained Madain as the regional capital of the Muslim lands in Persia. So of course, Medina was the central capital of the Islamic world, but then each region had to have a regional capital, like for example here in the United States, the central capital of this country is Washington DC, but then you have state capitals, like the capital of California is Sacramento, so the same type of of thing applied here. The central capital of the Islamic world was Medina, but they retained initially Madain to be the regional capital of the Muslim lands that were conquered in Persia the lands that the Muslims conquered in Persia but the Muslims living in Madain now they had trouble adjusting to the climate to the weather to the environment of Madain it was very different from the Arabian Peninsula the Arabian Peninsula is a desert and Madain was not, rather it was a humid region. It had rivers, it had trees, it had lush greenery, right? So this is basically the opposite of what the Arabs were used to. They were used to a dry desert climate. And now, those who had moved to Madain, they were not able to adapt to the difference here in the environment and the difference in the climate. So they actually started getting sick, and they started getting weak, physically. So sometimes when they would visit the Arabian Peninsula, maybe they would be going to Mecca for Hajj, or they would be coming to Medina for some reason. When Umar ibn Khattab met with these people, the people who were coming from Madain, he noticed a change in them. They looked different, he noticed some weakness in their face, and some weakness in their physical characteristics. Because they were living in Madain, they weren't adapting well to this change in environment. So Umar he decided that okay Madain, probably it's not the best place for us to keep as the regional capital of the Muslim lands in Persia. We need to change it, we cannot keep that as our central location over there in Persia because the people are not able to adjust to that type of an atmosphere. So Umar anh, he sent a letter to Sa'ad ibn Abi Waqqas who was the commander of the Muslims there in the Persian lands. He sent a letter to Sa'ad and he told Sa'ad to send Salman al-Farisi and Hudayfa ibn al-Yaman. Send these two companions of the Prophet sallallahu Salman al-Farisi and Hudayfa ibn al-Yaman. Send them to look for a land that is not right on the river. Madain was right on the river. And that is what made it so lush and so green and so humid. Because it's right on the water. So Umar radiallahu anhu, he sends this letter to Sa'ad, sends Salman and Hudaifah to look for a land that is not on the river, but at the same time it's not too far away from the river. So it should not be like right on the river, but at the same time it should be accessible to the river. It shouldn't be very far away from the river. And also, that land should be in a position where there is no need to cross over water. If someone wants to go from Medina to this land that Salman and Hudaifah have to look for, that the path from Medina to to this land, it should not have any water in between. You won't have to cross any lake or any river or any sea in order to get from Medina to Medina this land. So these were the guidelines that Umar sent. He said to Saad, send Salman and Hudayfa to look for a land that has these characteristics. It's not on a river, but at the same time it's not too far away from a river. And between that land and Medina there should be no bodies of water. So Saad he received these instructions from Umar ibn al-Khattab and he quickly sent Salman and Hudayfa to Carry out these commands. You two go and look for a place where we can establish a city to make our capital. Instead of madain we will make this new land that we find the capital city of the Persian lands that are under control of the Muslims. So, Saad sent Salman and Hudayfa, and Salman and Hudayfa went out on this task to look for a suitable land. And of course, Salman al-Farisi in particular, of course, he's well-suited for this job because he was originally from Persia. So he knows this land better than others. So Umar he had that wisdom to send Salman on this task. So Salman and Udaifa, they start looking for this land that has these characteristics that Umar r.a had mentioned. And they ended up in the land of Al-Kufa. Al-Kufa. And they, they found that that's the best place that fits these requirements that Umar anh mentioned. It's not on the river, but at the same time it's not too far away from the river. And if someone is coming from Medina to Kufa, they will not have to cross over any bodies of water. So Salman and Hudaifah, they they prayed salah in that land. And they made dua that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes this a land of firmness for the Muslims. Now Kufa it was just land there was nothing there there was nothing built there it was not a city there were no buildings there there were no roads there there were no pathways there it was just land it was just land but now the muslims decided that they are going to build a city on that land and that is how the city of al kufa was established that is how the city of kufa was established so Salman and Hudayfa, they sent a message back to Saad and they said we have we have found a land that fits the characteristics that Amirul mumineen has mentioned so Saad after receiving this message from Salman and Al he himself personally went to that land along with Al Qaqa ibn Amr Al Tamimi and Abdullah ibn Mu'attim they went to that land to start building the city now, before they started building uh, buildings or homes on that land, Umar radiallahu gave some instructions regarding the construction as well. He said that the people, they can build homes, but no one person can have more than three homes. The maximum amount of homes that you can have, that one individual can have is three homes, not more. Than that. And also another another instruction that he gave is that don't make the buildings too tall. Don't make them too tall. No skyscrapers, right? Right. So these were some of the instructions that Umar radiAllahu gave. So Saad ibn Abi Waqqas he actually appointed a great civil engineer to design the layout of the city. A man named Abu Al-Hiyaj ibn Malik. And this man, he was very good in design. You could say he was a civil engineer basically. So he knew how to make cities, how to design the pathways, how to design the city blocks, how to arrange for construction. He knew all of these things. So he is basically the one who was appointed to design the city. So he completely designed the whole layout of how the city of Kufa is going to be, with a main street and many smaller intersecting streets, And he designed the city blocks where homes and other buildings would be built. He made a whole design of the city. So after he designed the city and the layout of the city was taken care of, the first building that they built in this new city, this newly established city of Kufa, the first building that they built in that city was the masjid, the central masjid of Kufa. After building the masjid, next to it they built the capital building. And that's basically the governmental headquarters. So the masjid was the first building, and then right next to it, the capital governmental headquarter building. So now after the city was planned out and it was it was designed and the layout was completed, Sa'at he went back to Mada'in and he told the people. The Muslims who had settled in Madain, he said, okay, now we have established the new city of Kufa, we're going to make that the capital. You can move from Madain to Kufa. You can move from Madain to Kufa. And Saad himself, he moved to Kufa, and he told the people of Madain to go and move to Kufa as well. But he gave permission to whomever wanted to stay in Madain. If you want to stay in Madain, if you want to continue living in Madain, you are free to do so. But... The capital now is going to be this new city, the city of Kufa. And in this way, Kufa was established and it was built by the Muslims and it became the regional capital of the Muslim lands in Persia. It became the regional capital of those lands during the time of Umar ibn al-Khattab. Then later on, a number of years later, during the Khilafah of Ali ibn Abi Talib, Kufa actually became the central capital, not just the regional capital anymore. Kufa became the, the central capital of the Islamic world. It was moved from Medina to Kufa. And Ali radiallahu anhu, he was headquartered there in Al-Kufa. So he made it actually the capital of the Islamic world. Alright, in the same year that Kufa was built, and this was the year 17 of the Hijrah. During the Khilafah here of Umar ibn al-Khattab. The year 17 Hijrah. This is the year that Kufa was built. In the same year, the city of Basra was also built. So Kufa, it's in the north. And Basra is in the south. Now these lands that the Muslims had captured in Iraq. They were huge. A lot of land captured in a very short period of time. Big amount of land to govern. So Umar radiyallahu he decided to split the governance of this land into two. So he split it north and south. And Kufa would be the headquarter of the northern part and Basra would be the headquarters of the southern part. And he appointed Sa'd ibn Abi Waqqas to govern the northern part based in Kufa. And he appointed Utbah ibn Ghuzwan to govern the southern part from Basra. So it was divided into north and south. So we see here that the Muslims, they not only conquered these lands, but once they conquered and captured these lands, they made sure that they established these lands, that they built cities, they developed the lands, and they basically built civilization in these lands. It's not like they would just take the lands and not do anything to maintain or develop the lands. No, they would make sure that they develop the lands and that they create a whole civilization there. So it's not only about conquest, but it is about conquest and development as well. So they developed these lands and they built built cities. And they built a civilization. Alright. So this is what Umar did with the land of Iraq. He divided it into north and south, Kufa, was the headquarters of the north. Basra was the headquarters of the south. Sa'd ibn Abi Waqqas was in charge of ruling the north from Kufa. And Utba ibn Ghuzwan was in charge of ruling the south from Basra. Alright. Now in the meantime, while all of this is happening, the Muslims of Bahrain under the Sahabi Al-Ala ibn al-Hadrami anhu They wanted to be a part of these conquests as well. The conquest of Iraq had taken place under Sa'ad ibn Abi Waqqas. And Al-Ala ibn al-Hadrami, who was in charge of Bahrain, and his people, they wish that they can have a part of these conquests as well. They want to have the honor of, 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 of participating in jihad and being part of these battles as well. Now... Geographically speaking, Bahrain is separated from Persia by a body of water that is known as the Arabian Gulf, and it's also known to some as the Persian Gulf. If you ask the Arabs, they will say it's the Arabian Gulf. If you ask the Persians, they'll say it's the Persian Gulf, right? But it's the same thing. All right, so Bahrain is separated from modern day Iran by this gulf, the Arabian gulf or the Persian gulf so Bahrain is on the west and Iran is on the east, now up to this point the conquest of Persian lands had only taken Iraq the Muslims had not entered into Iran, they hadn't entered into modern day Iran that which is east of Iraq they had conquered they had conquered Iraq the northern part and the southern part, but they had not expanded eastwards into Iran at this point. Now Al-Ala Ibn al-Hadrami who is in Bahrain, he is thinking that okay, Saad and his army, they have taken Iraq, but we can cross the Gulf and we can get right into Iran. So we can actually expand the borders more. And then we can also participate in these conquests and this jihad as well. So Al-Ala ibn al-Hadrami, this was his idea, that Iraq has been already taken care of. Now we can go into Iran by crossing the Gulf, by actually going across the water and getting onto the other side into what is modern-day Iran. So this is what Al-Ala ibn al-Hadrami, the the governor of Bahrain, wanted to do. So he formed an army to cross over the Gulf and to conquer the lands on the east of the Gulf, the Persian lands, modern-day Iran, on the east of the Gulf. This was his plan. And as we mentioned, Sa'ad, he had not expanded into these lands. Up to this point, the conquest of the Persian lands only was focused, only had focused on Iraq. All right. But Ala, he saw this as an opportunity to you know, expand the lands even further. So what he decided to do is, he formed this army, and he actually crossed the Persian Gulf by boats he and his army they went on these ships and they crossed the Arabian or the Persian Gulf and they came into Persia modern day Iran now the mistake that al-ala ibn al-hadrami made here by doing this by making this move what was the mistake that he made here is he did this all on his own he did not inform Amir al Mu'mineen Umar ibn al-Khattab that this is what he's gonna do and he did not consult him he made this decision on his own. He formed his army and he crossed over the gulf into Persia. And Umar ibn al-Khattab was not informed of this. So this is a big mistake that he made. Now Umar ibn al-Khattab, he used to not authorize <coughs> any conquest by sea. He used to not allow conquest by sea. He would only allow it by land. And the reason for this is, Because he feared that crossing a sea, an army crossing a sea, that can be an extreme danger. Because if they drown, if something happens and they drown, the whole army will be destroyed in one time. Everyone will be gone. Whereas if they're they're fighting by land, then you know, they may have some casualties, but they will not lose the whole army in one shot. But crossing by sea, it's too risky, it's dangerous that you know, if anything happens, then the whole army can die at one time. So Umar he never used to authorize any type of conquest by sea. The conquests that, that he authorized, they were always land expeditions only. But Al-Ala and his army, you know, they didn't even consult Umar ibn al-Khattab. They didn't inform him what they were doing. And they crossed over, they crossed over the Gulf by sea, by ships. And they they reached the other side. They reached Persia, which is modern-day Iran. And once they reached the shore, they continued eastwards. They continued going east. They went forward towards the east more than 200 miles. So they reached the coast, and then they go further by land, 200 miles, until they reached the city of Istakhr. Istakhr it's a big major city in the middle of Iran about 200 miles east of the shore of the Persian or the Arabian Gulf. So they reached there. When Allah and his army reached Istakhar, the Persian army that was there in Iran, they surrounded them from all sides. They surrounded them from each direction, from north, from south, from east, and from west. So they blocked their access back to their boats. So now if Al And his army, they realize that they're outnumbered and this is going to be a very difficult fight and they want to turn back. They want to go back west to the Gulf to go back to their ships. They can't do it now because now they are blocked by Persian soldiers between the Gulf and between Istakhra. So now they're stuck basically. They can't do anything. So they realize that the only solution here is that they, they have to fight. Even if they're outnumbered, they have to fight. So they fought. The Muslim army of Al-Ala ibn al-Hadrami from Bahrain. They fought with the Persian army here in Istakhar. And it was a huge battle and there was a huge loss of life from both sides. Many Muslims died and also many Persians died. Now the Muslims realize that they're in a very difficult situation. They can't go back west to the Gulf. They can't go back to their boats because they're blocked by soldiers now. So they can't get to their boats. Uh, because the Persian army is blocking them in that direction so what they decided to do (laughs) is instead of going west and crossing the Gulf they can't do that because they're blocked from doing that they decided we will go north and we will go around the Gulf by land so instead of crossing straight through the Gulf to go back to Bahrain they decided that they will go north and they will go around the Gulf and then come back down to Bahrain. This was what their plan was. So they decided to move northwards. But as they headed north, what happened? They found Persian soldiers blocking them from that direction as well. So now they can't go west back to their ships. They can't go north to go around the Gulf. Now they're stuck basically. They have Persian soldiers blocking them from every direction. They're basically surrounded on all sides. Now, while this is happening, eventually, finally, the news of this situation reached Amir al Umar bin al-Khattab in Madinah. That this is what Al-Ala al-Azrami has done. And now, they are in the middle of Persia, and they're surrounded by Persian soldiers on all sides. They're in a very, very rough situation. So Umar, of course, hearing this news, he was very angry al allah did this without his permission, without even informing him, without his authorization. So Umar was very, very angry. But he put his anger aside for now. He put his anger aside for now because right now, the most important priority is to save those people. They made a mistake, but they're still subjects of Umar ibn Khattab. They're still brothers. So Umar knew that the most important priority right now is not to punish them for making the, their, this mistake, but the most important priority right now is to save them. And then after this is taken care of, then you know we can deal with the consequences, we can punish them for their mistakes. So he put aside his anger for now. And he made it his top priority, we need to save these people. So what he decided to do is he sent word to Utba ibn Ghuzwan. Utba ibn Ghuzwan, as we mentioned, he was the one who, Umar appointed to be the governor of the southern part of Iraq and he was based in Basra now Basra if you look at it geographically it is basically right to the north of the Gulf of the Arabian or the Persian Gulf Basra is right there so Utbah was in the best position to form an army and go and help The army of ala al-hadrami in persia he was in the best strategic location to go down and do that he just has to go south on the persian side in modern-day iran and he would be able to provide reinforcement and help to the army of al-ala ibn al-hadrami so umar sent this message message to utbah in basra that go and help them so utbah immediately he organized an army of 12,000 soldiers. He quickly organized an army of 12,000 soldiers and he went southeast from Basra, southeast from Basra uh, towards the army of Al Ala Al Hadrami, where, where they were stuck by Istakhr. So once they reached there, both of the armies. They combined forces, the army of Al-Ala Al-Hadrami from Bahrain and also the army of Utbah ibn Ghazwan from Basra. They combined forces and they fought against the Persians. And alhamdulillah, the Muslims were victorious. And finally now, the army of Al-Ala Al-Hadrami is safe from this Persian threat now, alhamdulillah. So now, the danger of the Persians against Al-Ala's army is finished. And now it's time for Umar to punish Al-Ala Ibn al-Hadrami for taking this decision and making this, this move without getting his permission. So what Umar radiAllahu um, An did is he removed Al-Ala from his position as the ruler of Bahrain. He took that leadership position away from him and he ordered Al-Ala Ibn al-Hadrami to move to Kufa. To move to Kufa and to be under the command of Sa'd Ibn abi Waqqas. Now you're not going to be a governor anymore. Rather, you are going to be subjected to the rules of Sa'ad ibn Abi Waqqas in Kufa. So this is what he ordered for Al-Ala Al-Hadrami. He took him away from his position of leadership in Bahrain. And this was uh, the consequence of making this type of a move without the permission of Amirul al-Mu'mineen. So you see here that these type of decisions, they cannot be done without authorization and permission from the ruler if people make these decisions on their own without being authorized by the ruler to do these things it will lead to chaos so it's very important that you follow the chain of command and you must follow the instructions of Amirul al you do what he orders you to do and if he doesn't authorize you to do something, you cannot do it. Sam'an wa taah. We listen and we obey. So, because Al-Ala Ibn al-Hadrami did this without permission of Umar radiallahu anhu, he was punished and he saw the consequences of that mistake. So, we'll stop there for today, inshallah, and bi'ithnillah, we'll continue next week with more on the biography of Umar Ibn al-Khattab radiallahu anhu. Barakallahu fiikum. Wallahu alamu sallallahu alayhi wa sallamu wa baraka ala Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi